Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. The organization itself, m for mm is a nonprofit focused on education and empowering communities that have been most harmed by the prohibition of cannabis to understand how to use cannabis to become a part of this billion-dollar legal global industry. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us again today as we continue on our mission of crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one can of story at a time. All right, so Dave, before I jump in, I just want to correct something I said last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that we were celebrating the Jewish New Year 5783. Yep. But it is really 5784, so I am <laughs> sorry if I confused anybody. <laughs> that that made my joke about writing the wrong date on my checks even more confusing and less funny than it was in the first place. I might have to retire you know, that joke altogether. They take us as rabbinical truths, so some of them out there might be confused. But yeah, I had yes. the wrong year. But, ha- but happy- year. I just want to give a big shout out to this amazing event I went to on Monday called the Green Goddess Invitational in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Oh my God, what a day. I did it last year. It was even bigger and better this year at a a golf club in Haverhill, Massachusetts, celebrating women. It was women supporting women in cannabis, cannabis supporting our patriots, the men and women who have served our country in combat and now need access to medical cannabis. And it was just a lot of fun. So, yeah. That's awesome. Did you stop by our beloved Camp Tel Noor since you were probably about five minutes away? 
No? No, I, I did not make it. I just made it to the cannabis event, smoked and pot and drank a lot of beverages, a lot of beverages this year. <laughs> and You mean um, uh, like cannabis-infused beverages? Is that right? Yeah. Usually they just give you the samples, but they had the real stuff there. So, And it was a kind of weird warm day. It was a little wet. I don't know. The weather in New England is tropical now. So, But it was fun, and I was out there walking around. I brought everything, even to a port. I had galoshes. I had an umbrella. I was ready, but it, it actually never rained. It was it's the, the gods were looking down at us, the green goddesses. That's good. I think it's, it's, it's been raining ever since, but that's okay. We had the one moment. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thank you, STEM Dispensary. You do this every year. You do so many wonderful events and you support the communities and you sell really good products to help us feel better. So thank you for that event. It was fun. Can I just ask you whether beverages like a certain flavors, are they more like sodas or seltzers or what are they like? They got everything now. Okay. So they got a lot of seltzers that some of them are very interesting flavor combinations. And the new thing they're doing is, so we know we talk about terpenes all the time. So they infuse terpenes back in to create the flavoroid. So like for lemon, they put lemonine in. Or if they want something that's more, I don't know, lavender, they put linalool, whatever it is. So that, they're actually using the plant parts of the plant to infuse these drinks with more flavor. So I think that's mm. interesting. It's very interesting also that... Still, if I'm not mistaken, there are open container laws out there. I don't I don't think this would apply, though, would it? Since cannabis is, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> can you walk down the street drinking a cannabis-infused beverage? No one, well, no one would really know, right? We've never spoken. I know, because you can't smoke out in public in Massachusetts, but I don't know. But smoking is, to... is a nuisance. That's why we have that law. The, the beverage is not yeah. hurting anybody. Huh. Well, Shailene, there was, a few, there, was a pa- there was a very smart panel of women lawyers. Shailene Title was there, and Kim Napoli, and Cheryl Murray, and Alari Lucian. They did a wonderful pol- policy panel, but no one brought that up. So next year, I'll bring it up because I didn't even know it was a question to ask. Well, that's fine. We, <laughs> we ask the tough questions on the Canon Mom Show. Yeah, with our lawyer brains. All right, so that was awesome. And then just one more little, I'm going to do like a little, I don't know, maybe it's like a sermon. I just, I've been thinking about something for a while. And then, of course, the Hidden Brain did a story about it, so I figured it was a sign. So um, I've been thinking a lot about cognitive dissonance, which Mm -hmm. is that state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change, which I talk a lot about the cognitive dissonance of people who heal themselves with cannabis because you're getting one story, but you're doing something else, but you're kind of going with this positive story because you are healed. Right. Uh, Right. So this idea that, I'm giving having you, to, Joyce, I'm giving yeah. you some sermon music. Testify. People. All right. So as a, basically, having, cognitive dissonance is having two thoughts that are contradictory, and it's the importance of how our brain resolves this dilemma. So again, I talked about healing and the cannabis, I mean the cannabis, the podcast episode, The Hidden Brain, called How to Live with Contradictions is out there. I listened to it yesterday if you're looking to figure out what I'm talking about. And I may be understanding this completely wrong. So listen to it. Decide for yourself. But what I understand now is that cognitive dissonance is that when we are presented with two very contradictory ideas, we elevate the positive and we negate the negative so that we can hold on to our belief of ourself as rational and continue to believe in our basic goodness while also resolving the dissonance that feels very uncomfortable. So that's kind of like the state. So Mm -hmm. this is an example I'm going to give pot politics religion. I would argue that an example would be there are people who believe Donald Trump is a good man. Mm-hmm. They liked him on The Apprentice. They have a positive experience with him. Whatever. He made them laugh. I don't know what it is. Mm. They have something about him. And every day they're confronted. Indictments, sexual assault, attempts to overthrow the government. 
<laughs> and still, they believe he is a person they trust leading our country because something they personally have experienced as a positive, despite all the negativity around him. And my understanding is that they are able to resolve this because our human brain will elevate the positive because it is so difficult to accept a theory that conflicts with our view of ourselves as rational beings who are basically good. Mm. Is that the end? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're. <laughs> it sounds like you're making excuses for the Trump people, but but it, no. But it, I'm kind of I'm trying to like see how this would work. So what I yeah. think is we are not rational. We rationalize. Right. That's how things work. <laughs> yep. we, we went to law school. We think we're rational, but we're not. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, this idea that it can be the cognitive distance, it can be used to heal as well as harm. Like I think that use of it, like the, the example I just gave is one to harm because you're holding on to something that's not, you're posing onto a positive idea that isn't real. But right. of course I have to bring it back to canvas. It's um, it, right. may, it. Well, it may be a, a cousin of the, what's called the, and I looked this up. I'm not that yeah. smart. The Dunning Kruger effect, which is, yeah. which is when you don't have the intelligence to realize that you don't really have so much intelligence. <laughs> and so it, it, it's kind of a vicious cycle. And so in like manner, the people that you describe are ignoring facts that they probably should see, but they just, they don't see them the same way we do. And it, and it impacts their behavior, which is a right. difficult situation to be in. Okay. So, so a positive story. That's why I think about positive. These stories, these positive stories we're sharing are going to counterbalance. That's what we're doing here. The negativity and the fear that has surrounded cannabis for a hundred years or so, whatever the decision was that cannabis was something dangerous. And the stories of healing, these stories, which we're going to share another one today, are so impactful because the healing, the healing stuff we're talking about is so positive. It negates the negative stories that we have believed for so long about cannabis. And it's actually changing our behavior. It's changing how we think about our use and our acceptance. So I don't know. I thought it was fascinating, interesting. I think the positivity can lead us astray if it allows you to dismiss the negativity to preserve your sense of self. I think that's dangerous. But sometimes the negativity um, is just misplaced fear and it needs some cog cognitive dissonance to heal. So that is my theory for today. <laughs> interesting. So, yeah, you're almost saying it's it's like Star Wars. There's a dark side. There's a good side and there's the dark side of cognitive dissonance Co it, cognitive dissonance could allow people to do to do bad things and justify them as good but what you're saying is also selective co cognitive dis dissonance will allow people to have a healthy mental state even while bad things are happening around them it, like we can almost trick ourselves if there is such a right. big disconnect between two different facts if we input something that's much more positive it's like this is an example that, um, on the story they use. They're talking about with children, mm -hmm. trying to incorporate this into classrooms. And if if a teacher requires two children who don't like each other to do favors for each other, in their brain, favor is for a friend. So there's a big dissonance between like doing a favor for a friend and this person that you don't like. And they found at the end of the experience that they actually liked each other more. It's mm -hmm. like it's almost like you can trick yourself. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's it's uh, another way of saying always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> Wait for it. Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> we need that once a day. If only I could sing. All right. And before I introduce one last thing after my little sermon, I just want to give a big thank you to everyone who participated in the My Bud Vase giveaway. If you've been seeing that, we are celebrating the 
most wonderful time of year, back to school Cannamom style, where we are doing a collaboration with my bud vase, encouraging cannabis for the giveaway of this beautiful uh, sapphire jewel. It looks like a looks literally looks like a blue vase, but it's a bong. So we've had many, many entries. People have been connecting with me. It's been an awesome experience. So thank you, everyone. And anyone who's a new listener now because of it, thank you for coming in and listening. Amen. Fun way to start off season five. Sure. All right. So now we've had a sermon. We've given away bongs and we are going to have a guest, Dave. All right. <laughs> All right. Today, today we are speaking with an inspiring woman leader in cannabis whose story includes a devastating family loss and a health crisis that brought her deeper into the world of healing with cannabis. She is now building coalitions through political process and has found work and purpose. She is a featured author in volume two of Courage and Cannabis, The Triumphant Stories, and the Western Regional Director of Minorities for Medical Marijuana, and she does so much more. I am looking forward to sharing her story of healing and purpose. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Nicole Buffong, a positive and powerful force influencing cannabis policy. Welcome, Nicole. Oh, thank you, Joyce. Um, <laughs> copyright you and steal that introduction. You <laughs> really nicely there for me. I really appreciate that. Quick update. I am no longer serve as Western Regional Director for M4MM. I am now the National Events Coordinator. I've moved through a couple of positions there within the organization because I've been with them for six years. And so just, to, just an update. <laughs> I can't wait to dig into this conversation though. So <laughs> bigger and better. All right. I really appreciate it. Okay. So I know you got a big story, you got a lot of passion, you got a lot of enthusiasm. Let's just start quickly. What was your relationship with cannabis growing up? And I know you had a family tragedy and some other journey things that came up. So if you want to do that, it's sort of a capsule before we get into the work you're doing and all the amazing things that are happening out there. Okay, sure. Sounds good. So yeah, I grew up in a West Indian American household. I'm first generation American. Both my parents were born in the Caribbean. My father was a Rasta. He was a professional though. He was a surgeon. And growing up in North Carolina, that wasn't always accepted in certain circles, but I lost my dad and my sister at the age of 25. They were on their way to my 25th birthday party and they passed away in a car accident. And that happened in 2006. And 10 years later, 11 years later, I was diagnosed with HIV in 2017. And I just did not know how to process the guilt and grief of losing them in that way. And so that's what led to an addiction of cocaine and sex and just misery that, that I held on to for about, for about 10 years. And so after being diagnosed, it was it really just catapulted me into the space of how, okay, how I'm going to heal my body. And so I never consider it a burden. I consider it my blessing. And the name of my chapter is how HIV saved my life, turning tragedy into triumph in, in our book. And so that's exactly what I did. I spent the, the, I've spent the last six years or so gathering information around how to use plants as medicine and becoming in an advocate, becoming an activist, becoming an ambassador for a global ambassador for how we use plants as medicine. And, and so it's been an amazing, beautiful journey. So that's how HIV saved my life. It was my wake up call. Amazing. All right. So I guess let's begin with Roz. How do you know Roz McCarthy? And tell me about minorities for medical marijuana. I know what you're doing now. I know it's been a bit of a journey. So how did this start? 
Yeah. So I began working with minorities for medical marijuana the same year I got diagnosed. My research around looking at cannabis as medicine and how I could use it instead of using synthetic drugs with my particular condition and diagnosis led me to advocacy. And then I found minorities for medical marijuana. At the time, had only been around about two years, but was run by this amazing woman. Her name is Roz McCarthy. She's the founder of Minorities for Medical Marijuana, founded in 2016. And I, I was brought to them. I found found her in about 2017, August, around August of 2017. I launched the chapter for Minorities for Medical Marijuana in Georgia at the end of 2017 in December. And then I moved from Georgia to Nevada in 2019 and launched the chapter here. And then I've been Western Regional Director. So that's where that title comes from. I then I, I was the program director for the organization for about a year. And then we I, I've transitioned into just managing all of our events because we've got events all over the country and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the organization itself, M4MM is a nonprofit. We are 501c3 advocacy organization focused on education and empowering those communities that have been most disenfranchised and harmed by the prohibition of cannabis, giving them an opportunity to understand how to use cannabis as medicine and how to become a part of this billion dollar legal global industry. So we've got 10 national programs. We help people get their records expunged. We help people get um, safe access to their medical cards. We help people um, become a part of the supply chain. If you don't know what that is, educating you about what the supply chain is of the cannabis industry, how to become a part of it, how to be contract ready. We've got our level one policy because that's vitally important. Mm -hmm. You got what's happening in your state locally, in your jurisdiction, in your county, in your in your in, in our country, what is happening. And and hopefully we'll touch on the, the what what just recently happened with the rescheduling because I'd love to oh, yeah, yeah. On yeah, that. Good. Yeah. Um, but um, but these are the things that we need to make sure our community is prepared for. This is hopefully we'll never have to go through this again in history. We are in a very unique time in history right now where we're seeing cannabis coming out of prohibition. And 20 years ago, those advocates and activists on the ground would have told you you would have been much further along by now. Um, but we're not. Um, and so we have, we, there's work still to be done. And, and a lot of conversation when, when people ask me what I do, I'm a cannabis advocate, I'm a plant medicine advocate. They're like, what is that? Well, I advocate for people's right to use cannabis as medicine and plants as medicine. Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be criminalized, should be demonized for wanting to use that. And, and people are like, people in, over here in the West Coast living in legal states, they're like, what else is there to be d d to, to do? Like, it's legal, right? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you're so, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to do. You know why? One of the first things to think about is there are people still sitting in prison were accused of selling or, or or using this plant. And and now it's like you said, it's legal. So yeah. why are people still selling? Let, let's, let's, I, I had a bunch of other questions, but why don't we just go right there? I, so I, yeah. even, even the last show, I asked Rick, I can explain to people why Schedule 3 is wrong and bad. Yeah. I was just at this event that I talked about, the, the God, Green Goddess event, where we did have a panel of very powerful women who are doing this work. Yes. So we've talked about this a lot. So and I was with someone I was with somebody from the industry who didn't understand why Schedule 3 wasn't a great solution. So. <laughs> right. All right. So just, I, again, and I and I do. My one question is always, how are we going to get this paid for by Medicare, Medicaid? How like eventually and at some point it's going to happen. Like I was at this event, we were honoring our veterans and. They are using this for their own healing. So how does that, how does the descheduling connect into pharmaceuticals, decriminalizing? What is your, what do you tell people about this? I know it's a huge topic, but what do you tell people in five or 10 minutes, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me jump right in. It's descheduling yeah. a bus for me. Um, okay. Descheduling does not solve the problem of criminalization. 
the, the biggest elephant in the room doesn't do anything for that. You can still get arrested. You get what about the people you've already arrested now that you've descheduled this plan? That is not brought up. That is not a, um, something that is addressed in, de, in a rescheduling. And then the other part of it is big pharma. I talk a lot right. about this opens up the door for big pharma to start playing with the plan. Right. Because the only reason they haven't been able to play with it outright in the federal forward way is because it was a schedule one. And, and because it, one of the, one of the qualifying factors of being a schedule one drug is that it has no medicinal value. We know that the plant has medicinal value. It, it is in a schedule one, along with heroin and antiphetamines or meth. Um, schedule two is cocaine and schedule three would put it in a scheduling with like ketamine. Okay. Still all controlled substances. What I'm saying is they, it, it needs to be removed from the CSA. It needs to be removed from a scheduling period. It's a plant. It should be regulated tax, just like nutraceuticals, just like your vitamins, just like your essential oils. That is how it should be regulated because it is a plant it is a plant that should be, we should be encouraging home grow. We should be allowing people to learn how to, how to, pro, how to grow and process and cure this plant to create their own medicine. And that should be the focus, but we're, we're that's not the conversation that's happening right now. And, and that's my pie in the sky. Ideally, that's what I would like to see. But right now we have a much bigger fish to, to a much bigger issue to deal with. And that is the, the federal government rescheduling this plant down to a schedule three. It will mean that you, we already have gotten letters from the FDA and the DEA, a cease and assist. You cannot say that this plant cures cancer, even though it cured my grandmother's cancer. We cannot say it. We cannot put it on a package. We cannot put it on a label. We can't claim it on our website. So we, we already, un, we already working in that gray area, but putting it in a schedule three will mean the only people that can say that are the people who are making the medicines in a lab and, and creating some sort of synthetic version of that has been through FDA approval. Now, let me tell you, it takes five to 10 years to get FDA approval of a drug. Okay. And millions of dollars. Those, the, the people that are small operators who are running mom and pops dispensaries and grows and cultivations, these farmers that I just left in Humboldt this weekend, when I spoke at Canifest, they're not going to be able to afford to keep up with the regulations that the federal government is going to put down on this plant if they put it at a schedule three. Okay. So uh, so for me, it is, this is not a decision that gets made by legislators. I mentioned it in my post and now I have to go back and kind of correct it because I was trying to get the information out. But we, I, I realized after this weekend and further review that it is not up to legislators. It's not going for up for a vote, this rescheduling. This would be a decision that the, the, that these departments in the federal government will make for us unless we say something, <laughs> because guess what? The only people in their ear, the re where does this rescheduling even come from? Where? From MSOs who have been lobbying to these, to these individuals, to these not elected officials, to these government officials and telling them this is what they want. Because yes, this is, ex if, if, if it gets rescheduled within three to five years, we will only have essentially corporate weed. We will have Walmart weed owning majority 90% share of this industry. I mean, they already own about 60 to 70, but it will allow them to gobble it on up because the small people will not be able to survive with all of the regulations that will come down on them. And we will lose our small craft grower. And this is something that I say all the time when I'm people are asking me to speak on different panels and, and in different areas. And I always remind people that unless the only option you want of regulated weed to be Walmart weed five years from now, then you have to stand up for, you as the consumer have to stand up for the small craft grower. You have to go in and demanding these smaller brands and, and craft brands. The, the, when you go into a dispensary, you have to be asking for them. You have to 
protests if they don't have any. Like these are the things that you have to be a conscious consumer. Otherwise, they're going to disappear. But you're, I mean, so you're, but you're doing the work that I always talk about. So I always say, I was whispering in the ears of the politicians. I mean, these are agency heads, but they're they're telling them what to do. And I know they 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 just don't know. I mean, they literally don't know what they don't know. And right. <laughs> this idea that business is coming in saying, and it is a hard, if you just look at it from the business side, the business of 280E and all the weird stuff that goes on and how you can't ship things across state lines. And you can't- the 280E what, will eliminate, will be eliminated by rescheduling. So that is the- But, the but, but that is that's the thing that I keep hearing. Yeah, but yes. that's like, it's like- It's, it's like, the that's only a, good yeah. thing probably that comes out of this. And then they claiming, oh, it's going to open up the door for more research, right? But but I say that in air quotes because yeah. there's plenty of research. Right, plenty of research. We, we already know what this plan yeah, is. Yeah. Right. And so you rescheduling it is not going the million, the people who have the millions of dollars to do the research that we know what it's the end result is going to be in a way. But I really think that if if we make big enough noise, I'm hoping I'm the optimist. Okay. If we make big enough noise to the DEA because they have they haven't responded yet. So this is not like set in stone. Right. right. It's a process. So the letter was sent from the HHS to the DEA. Now the DEA has they take their sweet time with everything. So the DEA is going six to nine months, maybe sometime next year, we'll hear from the DEA on what their decision is. And that's how, it, and then it'll take another year before regulations are put into place and all of the moving parts actually come together. But if we start now and say, this is not the way we want to see this industry go and we demand no, 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 make enough noise now, then we have a chance of, of the DEA saying, oh, well, this, we don't want to be the bad guys. We're already the bad guys. So let's just drop it. Let's just leave it where it is because this is what the people want, right? I mean, we we want it descheduled, but they're not going to do that. And so we'd rather it stay at a schedule one, let, let us continue operating with the way that we've been operating than, than it go into a schedule three right now. It's a critical- or Could it be, I mean, could it, I mean, I don't, I don't love this argument, but you know, could, could it be incremental? Like we used to be incrementalists in this country, but we're not really anymore. But could could it actually be a thing that it goes to schedule three? But you think once it gets into schedule three, pharma will get a hold of it, and then even if it gets not to schedule, they've been with, yeah, yeah. Once, once, once it's, yeah, once it once it goes yeah. to schedule three, that's the argument. Once that's it goes it. there, pharma it. gets it. Yeah, it's got it's gonna then it has to be FDA approval, and before and before you can put it on a shelf and claim it does this and claim it does that, and, and they're gonna tear the plant apart. That big pharma is not gonna put a whole plant medicine a drug on the market. It's going to be a THC medicine. It's going to be a CBD medicine. It's going to be CBN medicine, a Mercine medicine. Like they're going right. to take the plant apart and do all these tests on it and research. And the then isolates, say, oh, yeah. this, this is, I mean, Marinol. What yeah. is that? Canatol, right. Jodabinol. I can go on. Like mm-hmm. those are, the, they've already been playing in this field and, and bright underneath our noses. And so if we're not careful, they're going to snatch it away from us. And so we have to make enough noise that no, we do not want no to schedule three, no to schedule three. I'm coming up with a campaign. Do I do it right now? All right. So like no to schedule let's, three. Let's no go back to, to something positive. Though. All right. So I understand like I, and people keep asking me and I keep giving the explanations I hear. It's the only positive one I can hear is a 280E, but everything else about it is not going to be helping us. Okay. Let's move on to what you're doing. So you were in Georgia. Then you got connected to the Chamber of Cannabis in Nevada. Are you still yeah, doing yeah. work? With- so when I moved to Nevada in 19, I launched a chapter here for M4MM. And mm-hmm. I started with the Chamber of Cannabis from its inception, which was 2020. At the end of 2020, we're going into our fourth year now. So I've served on the board of directors for that organization. So can you just tell my, my listeners like exactly what the Chamber of Cannabis is yeah, and what sure. they're doing so, with the policy work? That, yeah, what they're doing absolutely. out there? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the Chamber of Cannabis is a 501c6. So we're different from C3, which is nonprofit education focused. 
office. C6 is industry and trade association focused mm-hmm. more. Yep. But we have justice and commerce at the core of what we do. And so for Nevada in 2021, which was our first year out the gate with the organization, we were able to lobby and get cannabis consumption lounges passed here in Nevada. Yeah, so that's coming. If you haven't been to Las Vegas recently, since 19, they've had a consumption lounge on Paiute Tribe Land, which is at the Nuwu Dispensary. Yes, um, I went there, but that was only my last trip away. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. before COVID. <laughs> they're, around, they're the OGs in the, in the consumption yes. game for Nevada. Yes. They've been around for a while. They were here before regulation, before it was actually legalized. Right. 2021, legislators put it in statute for the first time. They also put in statute for the first time social equity and so that was because of our efforts from the chamber and from minorities for medical marijuana, working with the chamber to make sure that that that, that group and community was included. And so in 2021, we, we were successful passing that legislation. And then uh, last this year in 2023, because Nevada's legislators meet every other year. So in 2023, mm-hmm. which, means, which essentially just means in layman's terms, it takes twice as long to get things passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 20 this year, 2023, we were able to pass Senate Bill 277, which will double the daily purchase limit for retailers here, which of course will trickle down to all the license holders. We also were able to bring more awareness around the statute here in Nevada that allows felons or people who've been committed of a crime to work in the cannabis industry. We wanted it to be put into statute that they, they weren't forbidden from applying. We weren't able to pass that the way that we wanted, but we are making sure that people are aware that there is a process. If you do okay. want to work in the industry and you have a, a criminal background, there is a process that allows you to do that. And so reach out to the chamber and then also making sure that licenses were combined. So up until this year, when we got that passed in legislation, retail operators had to pay for a medical license and an adult use license in Nevada, instead of just it being one license. And so right. with that Essentially, when adult use came in, uh, it just meant that it was harder for medical patients to find a, a operator that was a dispensary that was actually still had a medical license, and so so that that was combined. So that's also going to help operators. And so, so I always talk about like I'm in Massachusetts. It seems like we should be taking the state's issue, which kind of goes back to like if you decriminalize it, it could be a state's issue, which is a thing right. that we like to talk about. That's but right. So. I keep hoping states are going to take the best from each other. Yeah. <laughs> Does it seem to be we true? Wish, we wish they could copy and paste, right? But and you, we- but you are doing some really, really good work there in Vegas. So are people actually coming out? I mean, Nevada, are they coming out and talking to you? Like I just talked to some Michigan people. They seem to be doing some things right. It's just, there are some good, I mean, I don't know what's going on in New York. That was, I don't know what's when that's not good. So yeah. <laughs> the fact that we have a chamber of cannabis that was yeah. recognized by our great Senator Jackie Rosen while she was in D.C. during 420, during lobby days, attending National Cannabis Festival. She mentioned the Chamber of Cannabis. Oh, good. Because it's one, it's it's a unique chamber. Every every state, every city has a business chamber, but not many have a, a cannabis business chamber. And so right. we're honored to have, we, we are the largest industry trade association in Nevada for cannabis. Nice. We have most members. There are other trade associations, but we're focused on the people that work this industry and the people that are the executives and the, and the bud tenders and all the way down because they there's a certain view that they have of how they want to see this industry grow and develop and continue to be profitable in this space and safe and providing medicine for patients. And so we're able to be that voice. And so we're proud to do the work that we do here in Nevada. That, and we've That's actually, to- that's so, imp- again, that is so impressive because we talk about this could be a new industry. You never get to be part of something new. We could build it in a different way over and over and over again. I'm meeting these women who are just like, 
it doesn't have to be this way. And they're literally doing something different. That's literally what you're doing. Okay. Yes. yes <laughs> um, we're creating the pathway. That's right. So that's that. And then let's, let's talk about, because you have more even things going on. So you're doing <laughs> purple plant magic. You're, it's a consulting firm. So what are you, again, this is a, everything cannabis is like the real world, but a little upside down. You need someone who's specialized in everything. So yes. you're doing consulting, right? So what's your goals yeah. with this venture and like, what are you doing with it now? I also, before we go on to that, I also oh, serve- directors for another organization nonprofit called Association of Cannabis Health Equity and Medicine. And that is with the Knox doctors started by the Knox. Oh, we've met. Yeah, we introduced Johnson them. Yep. 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 Some other Dr. Kaya, Dr. Angela, they are, it, it, that is projects that I'm working on internationally right now with them and the work that we're doing with chem hubs and really creating an environment, partnering with universities and making sure that they are getting the education and the resources around this plant and creating future leaders for this or for, for this industry. Color, because this group and organization is specifically for people of color, healers, medical professionals, patients, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to see and build a more diverse and inclusive cannabis space. And so I'm really proud of the work that I'm doing with them as well. I've been with them for the last three years and some really exciting projects that we're working on coming up in Africa, fully intend to be able to relocate within the next 12 months um, to be able to do the work that needs to be done on the ground. And so the work that I'm doing with them is super exciting. Purple Plant Magic yeah. is my baby. That's where I, the, my umbrella that I do business under. Mm-hmm. And yes, consultant. And so uh, just a one man band over here right now, but really exciting things that I get to do as being an, an industry insider, I guess I can call myself right now, but the, all of the connections that I can make and, and, and the, the way that I've put myself in a position to be full of knowledge and resources at on knowing what's happening at the cutting edge of what is happening on the ground in different states. We, and for MM has 33 chapters nationwide. We're in five countries internationally already. We're in the UK, Canada, Puerto Rico, um, Jamaica, and Belize. And so we, the work that we get to do to help create more advocates and lobbyists and people who are advocating on the ground um, is the work that I get that carries over into so many different areas for me. So really blessed that I get to do that. And then Purple Plant Magic is just my, it's just the engine that helps run that um, for me for now. Um, and and so really exciting stuff coming up. I was thrilled to be a part of the release of the book this, this summer, but- All right, so- I, I do want to go. So I do want to go through oh, this. Okay. That is like, all right. So, like, so I mean, I yes. know, again, this woman's got a lot going on. If you want to find out more about her, you can look her up. She's in a book, which yes. is actually why we have her today, because she's part of the Courage and Cannabis series, which we have been doing we've, for a couple of weeks now. We've been talking to people and they've actually been part of this great giveaway I've been doing with uh, my bud vase. So just like talk about how you got connected with Dr. Bridget and the project and what's been going on with it. And like just what's what have been like the benefit? What have you been experiencing because of it? Because it, it's okay, been a great yeah, project. Sure. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing project to be a part of. I met Dr. Bridget at Black Canacon a couple of years ago. It's first Black, the first Black Canacon, which was in New Orleans. And, and I didn't know I, know, I knew about the first volume of the book then. And then when she asked me to be a part of the second volume, I was just so honored and humbled to do that. And so I'm a spark in the book. I write a spark, not a chapter, but a spark. And it it really gave me the, the push that I need to know how to write my own book. So it, it made sure that I'm writing, I'm journaling again and making sure that I'm documenting things as they happen. So I really appreciate it. It's such an honor to be amongst all of these amazing people telling their stories 
stories, it being number one bestselling and just exciting stuff. And I, I got to give away a few of them on my radio show. I do a radio show here in Las Vegas every Wednesday morning on Power 88. So if you're in Vegas, you can also catch us on TuneIn Radio at 7 a.m. Pacific time. We do a Wellness Wednesday segment for about an hour and I talk about everything that's happening locally and internationally and nationally in the cannabis space. But just, I, it's it's been such a thrill. It's only been a, about a month or so. And I just, so exciting. So many other things being here with you, Joyce, and, and having the opportunity to speak to your audience as well. Just really exciting stuff to be a part of, of this amazing anthology of, ser- of stories that really come from different aspects of the cannabis space. It's really- All it's- over. And again, like if you can't relate to me, I'd say a white title lady who wears pearls. If you really believe, like if you really believe is dangerous and horrible and scary and whatever. And then you see these stories and then you meet the people. It's the meeting the people and seeing how they are. I think that's really the power of these. Like when your loved one, you know, is healed, there's something opened up in your brain, which is really where you are. So how's your health now? How are, you know, you've been in this for a while, you've been using and um, feeling healthy. So how, how are you doing? Yeah. So the journey for me has been up and down. When I got diagnosed, I took about nine months before I started on my plant-based journey. So I eat plant-based because it helps me with the body, with my, with my specific condition. When I was diagnosed with HIV in 17, I was also diagnosed with chronic kidney disease that has now turned into kidney disease. I'm at stage four right now in, in the last about six months, it has dropped. I've been hovering right at right three for, for the, about the last couple of years and, and recently dropped. And, and, the work that I'm doing, it, it, I love the work that I'm doing, but it can also- You got purpose. You can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the last six months or so, I was in a role with m for mm and it just, it got to be a little bit too much. We're, tra- we're transitioning some, some leadership. Roz is moving out of CEO role and into a chairwoman role. And so um, we were just making, trying to, trying to keep the boat, keep the plane flying. It just got a little bit too much for me. So we're good now, better now. I'm in a different position and that gives me more relief, but just, I, I'm, I use the food that I eat as my medicine. It's what keeps sustaining me. It what makes sure I stay out of the hospital. And so I can't stress enough to people like how important and valuable your food is to how you feel. And so I, I, I stay away from dairy eggs I'm, I'm, I eat some fish sometimes and that is for my kidneys, but mostly plant-based and it is, it has been able to, um, sustain me. And so that's what I stay focused on. Now, what I'm really excited about is this next project that I'm, I'm moving into. There's a brand, there's a, a, a platform called Canalytics that is getting ready to hit the market in about 30 days. Okay. And this new platform is using AI technology, combining um, thousands and thousands of white papers and research papers that have done been done on cannabinoids in the plant and, and terpenes over the, over the last 20 years, along with COAs from breeders and cultivators and from dispensaries, combining them and into a platform that already has about 30 different conditions. Okay. And they will be able to, the platform will be able to generate for you um, a scale uh, of one to 10 of what product is going to work best for your different conditions. And so they've got things like nausea. They have things like um, anxiety, sleep. Say, okay, these are all my conditions. This is what I'm dealing with. And it will tell you, oh, these have ranked in about a 90 percentile for what you need. The combination of these cannabinoids and these terpenes will give you the relief that you need. So I will be the first HIV patient using this platform and kidney patient using this platform to help specifically with my disease, with my condition. And so really exciting stuff. I That is like, okay, that's like one of the first happy AI stories I've heard. Like everyone's <laughs> like, 
the world is ending and AI is taking over and you're telling me <laughs> we're going to help. We're going to use this in cannabis in a positive way as a tool and not a weapon. Way. Yeah. So is- they'll be creating a genome for me that will combine based on research, like what is going to work with it for the inflammation in my body and for the virus, the antiviral properties. And the thing is, what we have to understand about this plant is that when we, the plant comes to us whole, like flower, and we get ready to consume it, whatever that looks like, whether you're vaping it, whether you are smoking it, whether you're putting it in tea, eating it, whatever. But the plant changes composition when you heat it up, when you set it on fire, when you do different things to it. And so our, the, what we've learned so far about the plant is that those prop, those compounds and cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids and so on, when, when they change composition, that we, they lose some of their medicinal value. They'll lose some of the, those antiviral properties because when you heat up THC or the plant, then that V or that A acid or compound drops off. Mm-hmm. And that has the most antiviral properties that has the most anti-inflammatory properties. And so this new technology, we're working with a, a vaping company also that will be able to create this formula for me and then put it into a vaporizer. So I will be getting direct medicine. Wow. It's like, okay, we're talking about so many, I mean, we could talk, there's so much more to talk about, but the the idea that this personalization of medicine, we're all about the personalization, the medicine and the self-care and all of this. And we can actually do this with cannabis with the plant that exists and this extracting the elements that they has already for us. If we just did a smarter way, but all right, right. Nicole, I'm running up against time. All right. So you are (laughs) in the new, I know it's just forever. Uh, Current in cannabis book. I can talk about it endlessly. Uh, pick it up, get it. What is the best way to connect with you? You have so many things going on. Are you going to be at MJ BizCon? Are you going to be doing stuff oh, out there? Oh, honey. So every year for MJ BizCon, Minorities for Medical Marijuana hosts the best party on that Wednesday night. Then <laughs> at Ask about us because everybody will tell you, oh, and for MM got the best party. Last year, we had Redman as our special celebrity guest. This year, can't say it yet who our DJ is going to be, but I do have a special announcement. Martin Luther King III is going to be our VIP reception guest. He is using his platform to speak out for um, equality amongst cannabis workers and oh, making sure they have rights and, and a fair working environment. And so UFCW has partnered with us to, to make sure that he's going to be our special VIP reception guest. So if you haven't already bought your tickets, I suggest you do. Uh, I'm going to be there. I didn't even know. I did not know. You got to come to the party, honey. (laughs) We do like, Emperor MM is not a big like party thrower. Okay. We don't, we don't do parties. We we host events. Our events are education focused, our community focused, and we do those all over the country. We have our dice mixer, which just brings people together, and that's what this is. But it's MJ Biz style. So well, this is a this is the time of the year we're gonna. Our theme is fifty years of hip hop, so we're gonna be celebrating hip hop um, yeah. along with and how it is it's involved in the culture because we know hip hop and cannabis are go hand in hand. So we want to honor that. And so we're really excited. Go to m the number four mmunited.org to get your tickets and learn more about what we're doing. We've got a safe access clinic coming up in Philly during Black Cannabis Week next week. We on the 23rd on the same day in Maryland, we have a, a Project Clean Slate expungement clinic happening in Silver Springs, Maryland on the 23rd. We will be at CBC next on the week of the 20th through the 24th, lobbying to Congressional Black Caucus, lobbying to Congressional Hispanic Caucus the whole week, the 19th through the 24th, and then we'll be at Benzinga in Chicago following that. And so please, M, the number four, MM United, follow us on all platforms. Tomorrow, tomorrow Roz, our CEO founder, is going to be interviewing patients. I mean, I'm sorry, caretakers and medical professionals about sickle cell that are helping okay. patients 
for sickle cell. This is sickle cell awareness month. The reason, one of the reasons she started the organization and for MM is because she's a sickle cell mom. She has an adult son now that has sickle cells living with sickle cell. And so cannabis is a game changer for him and most sickle cell patients coming off of opioids. Cause that's the only thing they yep. can and yep. so join us tomorrow on our YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. We do it live. It's free. It's at, it's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Please join us for that, for that really important conversation. And if you want to learn more about me, you want to follow all of my activities, follow Purple Plant Magic on all platforms.com, everywhere else. Thank you so much, Joyce. And, and it'll be in the show notes because that is what we do. All right. Another show. Episode two, season five. <laughs> well, plugging along okay so on behalf of my guest nicole buffong you can find her everywhere she's doing everything and if you're in vegas which i'm going to be at the end of november check out the m4 mm party i will be there too i'll have to get another outfit and of course for my canna david yaz and my canna mom show team i want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the canna mom show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love kindness wisdom and hope Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so that together we can crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Cannachix Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.